Welcome to The Frontline with FPM, where we talk about California politics, homeschool freedom, parental rights, and the family. I'm your host, Nathan Pierce, and thanks for joining us today. Let's jump right in and see what's going on here on The Frontline. Hi, folks. Uh, we're here today, Nathan Pierce and Drew Olander from Family Protection Ministries, talking about sort of a timeline of SB 866 and uh, the issues surrounding it. So I'm glad to have you with us today. And um, thank you, Drew, for participating and, and really driving the, the, the outline for today's um, recording. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. Glad we can uh, talk about this. It seems like there's so many different pieces to the story of what's happened uh, with SB 866 this year, and there's so many, so many things that have happened this year. It's just been a, a whirlwind. Um, yeah. So it's been um, quite a quite a job to try to remember all the different pieces of uh, what we've done, what has happened on SB 866, and that's in the middle of all the other legislation that we've worked on this year. Um, but for now, we're, uh, for right now, we're going to be just talking, uh, trying to narrow that down just to focus on SB 866, but certainly we'll have to bring in a few details from some other things. So let's, let's jump in and get started with what SB 866, um, was about, and then we can talk about the context in that time period. So what was SB 866 about? Um, yeah, so it was introduced early this year in uh, like late January. Um, it was a really spurred on um, during like the state's response to COVID and everything that's happened in the last couple of years. Um, and it was a uh, it was a bill from Senator Scott Weiner that would um, it would basically allow children age twelve and up to receive vaccines without, um, their parents' consent. So, um, it was, it was basically advertised as, you know, this is a way for teens to keep themselves safe in the case that their parents don't want to get them vaccinated or, you know, are, I think the term that was used was medical neglect. Mm -hmm. Um, that was the, the term from the author, um, from, uh, the Senator. Um, and it was, it was really um, intensely pushed right out of the gate. It was a, you know, like we have to get this passed now. We have to get this passed as soon as possible, just in order to make sure um, that these young people can uh, basically guard against, you know, any disease. So it wasn't just for, for COVID, but it was all vaccines. Anybody 12 and up could get them without uh, parental consent. Right. That was the and start. It's... And it's interesting that um, a lot of the discussion about this bill, particularly when we get into talking about the first committee hearings, the the focus of the bill itself didn't actually address um, COVID itself at all. No. It addressed vaccines in general and was all about um, allowing kids to, without their parents' knowledge even, as well as consent, um, kids could get um, these um, these vaccines uh, and it didn't have to even be on their required list from their school. It had to be just uh, it, the, the list was broader than mm -hmm. a lot of people realized that it was. And um, so, yeah, it was um, it was pretty awful just from the get go. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very broad and it was very vague. It was a very short bill. I mean, it was, it was maybe two paragraphs in total. Um, not counting the, the quick summary at the beginning from the legislative council, but yeah, it was, it was very brief and very, um, wide reaching. Yeah. So this, um, this happened, um, right. It was introduced, like you mentioned in late January, Mm -hmm. um, the 20th, I, I, if I remember right. Yes. Um, Yeah. The 20th, the 20th of January. And just about three weeks prior to that, we had sent out uh, a letter in the mail right at the end of December telling Mm -hmm. our supporters, hey, we're anticipating a string of vaccine freedom-related, medical freedom-related bills that will be bad coming in in the beginning or uh, the beginning of the session and possibly in early January. And so um, this one, uh, sure enough, popped up in late January. But it wasn't the only bill, um, and nor was it the only bill presented by um, Mr. Weiner either. Um, He was involved in a number of other bills that related to medical freedom and vaccines. Mm -hmm. Um, So what were what were some of those bills, and um, what kind of freedoms were those bills addressing? Yeah, so they were um there was a number of them from uh, both senators and assembly members that were all co-sponsored among various groups of legislators in both houses. Um so another big one was AB 1993, um which was basically a uh, a universal um employee mandate for COVID vaccines specifically that had to be enforced by the employer. Um that one didn't make it very far. That one died um pretty pretty quickly it faced heavy opposition from all sorts of groups um and then uh, another one was sb871 which would have um added uh the covid vaccine to the list of required vaccines for school for students um let's see um there were uh of various ones that that enacted universal testings, some for schools, right. some for the general population, um, and there were there were a number of uh, there was one actually um, that uh, would penalize doctors for spreading um, what was deemed medical misinformation. And unfortunately, what we've seen, you know, in, in the heat of the moment, in a lot of you know, especially the beginning of the pandemic, there were a lot of people that were um that were blamed for spreading misinformation that turned out to be correct Um, it was just you know it was it just uh it just was i mean everybody was frantic and i think uh there was a lot of very uh sudden and looking you know in in hindsight now incorrect uh decisions in terms of uh labeling things like that so those were just some of them. Um, there was also regulations coming from the governor's office uh, saying, hey, we're planning on doing universal vaccine mandates for schools. Um, and uh, under those, you know, under emergency powers, there were many executive orders coming out, you know, in terms of testing and funding and things like that. So it was it was from all corners of the government. There were many, um, many regulations and laws on this topic. And they were there. Yeah. yeah. They were one after the other rapid fire. So. Yeah. Yeah. So this was 
Um, this was beginning of January. Of J- this was January of 2022. Yes. Um, so we had been under a state of emergency and a state where we had a bunch of um, uh, orders from the governor and various uh, departments, the public health department, mm-hmm. um, over the last you know year and a half, two years. Um, but now we're here in, in January of 2022, and now it's the legislature um, that is is looking at putting these things on the books in terms of the permanent laws um, yeah. for California. So this this was a kind of a new concern, and it was a bigger concern because this is this has got a, an element of permanency to it. It's a it's something that's going in the code, and it's going to be there forever, not just a temporary order issued by the governor, um, mm-hmm. but something that's going to be on the books um, perpetually. So what yeah. we're looking at here now is all these proposals in January of 2022, um, looking at, okay, how how are we going to address these different issues related to medical freedom? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and we're looking at these bills and <laughs> obviously we kind of had some some expectations of what to look for. And so we're watching specifically um, some particular legislators that we knew would had said they were going to be proposing some things. So yeah. um, Senator uh, Weiner was one of those. And uh, this bill, when it first came out, we were very concerned about it and um, started uh, working on not just um, getting our own opposition letters ready, but strategizing on what other groups can we work with on this bill and who who is already ready to to take action on these things. And then mm-hmm. how along down the line are we going to to work on this? So there was a lot we were doing um here at FPM right from the get-go back in January. And um ultimately um the bill uh didn't move right away um a lot of bills sit for a little while because there aren't really any committee hearings uh for a little while in january because everybody's so busy introducing bills so the first hearing on this one was january 5th why don't you talk about that a little bit drew um i believe it was actually so not january sorry uh, may 5th may 5th thank you yeah it was one of the fifths um yeah so it sat uh, at the desk. Um, and then it was, you know, later assigned to a committee and it finally had its first hearing almost five months or four months, almost four months after it had been introduced. Um, and so that was in the, uh, the Senate judiciary hearing and there was plenty of, uh, people representing various groups that showed up in support and opposition. Um, and it was, so it was right out of the gate in the first hearing, it was very hotly contested. It was, you know, so this bill wasn't heard in the health committee. <laughs> this this was one of the things that was so shocking to me. Yeah. It, it was it was referred to the health committee initially, right? Yes. Exactly. And, and then, then yeah, uh in both houses it was only heard in the judiciary committee. So, so. that makes so little sense to me. But yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. It was actually referred and then it was reneged. They they pulled mm-hmm. it back. And most um, most of the other 
Exactly. And most of the other, other bills, uh, similar to this, like in this, in this vein, um, uh, you know, of the COVID reaction, um, bills, most of them went through, uh, the health committee. Um, but this one specifically, uh, was referred. And then, like you said, unreferred and then, um, ended up just going through the judiciary committee. So that in itself was interesting to see. Um, it was odd enough, but, um, yeah, during this committee hearing, um, there was uh, there were some concerns um, brought up uh, from the um, from the committee members, um, but the opposition wasn't really formed at that point. They there was there was some some slight mentions of things like, you know, concern for, okay how would this how would this affect, you know, a child's relationship with their parent? Like what what does this do to the dynamic between, you know, in terms of parental rights and their duty to make decisions for their children before they are of age? And then, um, you know, there were concerns about um, basically unforeseen medical complications. You know, some I mean, I've had bad reactions to medication in the past to, to vaccines and, you know, and there's things you don't know, especially as a kid. Um, and that, that parents, you know, have the, the responsibility to inform you on and, and make sure that you're taken care of in that regard. Um, so that was, there were murmurs of, of concerns like that, but, um, from the committee itself, there wasn't, um, a lot of, a lot of discussion. Right, uh, there and it's, a lot of opposition, and and it's interesting because, again, it's the judiciary committee. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not a, an education committee um, exactly. that interacts with um, schools and parents on these issues. It wasn't a health committee that interacts with parents and doctors on these issues. It was mm-hmm. the judiciary committee, which is where they kind of they decide whether something is. Um, um is 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 legal i guess they they work on the making sure that this is going to pass uh constitutional muster they're mm-hmm. wanting to make sure that um once they get this through um that they have solid ground to stand on in terms of defending this bill um yeah. and and it seems ridiculous to me that there was so little heed uh paid to the people that were concerned about this bill obviously we had mm-hmm. we had sent out an action alert about 2 days prior to this um to this committee hearing mm-hmm. and i know that i was one of many people that uh stood in line and and testified in opposition to this bill yeah um but again going back to what we had mentioned before the main proponents of this bill um were a group of kids that wanted to be able to get their own covid vaccine that was the main focus of the of mm-hmm. the uh, proponents of the bill was was um teenagers who wanted more uh freedom in in their ability to say um regardless of what my parents say I want to make sure that I can get this vaccine, this COVID vaccine specifically. And they acted and spoke as though that was the only part of this bill. That's what it was about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 
And I think that that's a good picture of what I run into a lot of times in the legislature where there's a bill proposed and the conversation about the bill is focused on one tiny aspect of it, which to me, SB 866 is so much bigger than that. And and we'll get into that a little more here, but SB 866 was not just about the COVID vaccine. It's about so much more and it, and it touches on so much more even outside of the vaccine world or that whole discussion of medical freedom. That's at the core of it, but it's the concerns that we had were broader than that. So um, I think that, that seeing the actual um, presentations um, in that committee hearing were fascinating to, to see how, how narrow the focus was there. Yeah, it really was. It really was. Um, it was pointed. And um, we actually, uh, like, like you're saying with that, with those broad implications, we ended up um, going through it and uh, we, we sent out more than 20 opposition points reasons why this would have a negative effect on, you know, um, it, and like you said, not specifically related to, you know, the COVID vaccine or vaccines in general, but the overarching concern of parental rights, right, of, of um, mm-hmm. parents being able to fulfill their duties and obligations and responsibility to care for their children. And um, the, the, uh, the overarching um, concern um, with this bill and with a number of, of other bills from from these you know some specific uh, legislators including Senator Weiner um, was just the the replacement of the parent with the state acting as the caretaker of the child right yeah yeah and um, we've talked extensively about what sort of responsibility, um, and what sort of place the state has, right? The duties, right. like biblically speaking, you know, what limitations there are on it, what, uh, what abilities, um, it holds and, um, where the line is that it shouldn't cross. Right. Yeah. Cause you know? I mean, God made a family. He, he gave children to parents mm-hmm. and no matter how you look at that, and no matter how you look at our society today, there's no way around acknowledging that a family, the way that God designed it, is the best the best formula for the upbringing of a child, yeah. and and that that level of protection um, is really key. And and uh, those in even the medical community will will acknowledge that. Now in this particular bill, I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, why, why are homeschoolers involved in this particular bill? And I've had, I've had questions like that about other uh, medical freedom related uh, bills in the past. And, and honestly, it's, it's pretty simple to explain why homeschoolers care about this bill based on the homeschool argument. I mean, a lot of people care about medical freedom that also care about homeschool freedom um, as two separate pieces of their big picture. But I'm talking about how do you answer the question, why do you care about this bill with specific regard to homeschool freedom? And that's really easily explained by just looking at the pillars 
on which homeschool freedom stands. And homeschool freedom in California and across America stands on two basic principles. One is the 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 concept of parental rights. Parental rights and that that freedom to function as a family um, is is one of the key elements of homeschool freedom. The other one is religious freedom. Now, this particular bill goes after both of those things because it attacks um, parental rights by saying parents do not have authority over their own children and saying the government has authority to force a child to make a decision without their parents there and without their parents knowing about it. Now, the other the other aspect of this with the religious freedom is that it's going after people that you know for for religious reasons have uh an objection to a particular vaccine or to their children being taken over basically having decisions made for their children by the government i mean so it kind of no matter which angle you look at it it's going at the very root of the freedoms that hold up homeschool freedom. And so regardless of what your view is of what the bill was actually dealing with in terms of um in terms of vaccines it's going after parental rights and religious freedom which are the the foundation for homeschool freedom which is what we at our very core here at FPM are fighting to protect. And so it was not hard for us to make a decision that this was a bad bill and something we needed to tell people about and take action against. And so um, that's kind of at the at the core of why SB 866 was so high on our radar and so high on our priority list for this year, even in the midst of, as we mentioned earlier, all the other bills we were dealing with. Um, this one was way up there because it attacks both of those things. Both of those things are essential to maintaining homeschool freedom as we know it today in California. And we had to we had to take action and we continue to have to be vigilant to maintain the freedoms that we have. And that means keeping an eye out for any bill like this. So um yeah. so that was something we recognized from the get-go, and we kind of pointed out these issues in our early action alerts even as early as early may mm-hmm. um and so we know that there were a lot of people up in arms about it from the homeschool community because they saw the threat there and then kind of we just moved on from there into um it was what a week later that it after it passed um that first committee the judiciary committee in the senate it about a week later it passed the floor of the Senate. Yeah. Yeah. So it was passed uh, unanimously vote uh, seven to zero out of that, out of the judiciary committee. Um, And then exactly a week later, it was, it was voted on the floor and passed to the assembly. Um, It wasn't overwhelmingly supported, but it was, it was a majority. Um, And so um, after it was passed mid May, um, it was then set for a hearing in the assembly. And um, it wasn't until June 1st 
that it got its first uh, assembly committee hearing also this time, the Judiciary Committee, not the Health Committee, just the Judiciary. Those are the only that's the only committee in either house that it went to. And so the committee in the assembly is made up of entirely different members than the Judiciary Committee in the Senate. Um, and it was during this hearing that the the author, uh, Senator Weiner, had to definitely um, he definitely faced more opposition from the committee itself. There was, you know, many of the same groups. I mean, FBM was there testifying in opposition again. Um, and the, the crowd had grown in the room. It was full. Yeah. Um, and, uh, in the meantime, after, after, you know, there had been public testimony and support and in opposition, um, the committee, uh, had, had questions for the author. Um, and so we've actually got a clip um, of uh, one of the assembly members, uh, Assemblywoman, uh, Assemblywoman Lori Davies. Um, she basically brought up what many um, many of the groups opposed to the bill had brought up. You know, not not making it about specific uh, disagreements over vaccines or specific vaccines at all, um, but just the overarching concern um that uh that those in opposition had so i've got the clip right here um let me know if you can if you can see it all right yeah it looks good all right so it's just i'll just play a, a little bit of it um so this is a parental right a right to know that their child is safe why is it that we have them have to write consents if they want to take a field trip? Why is it that they have to have consent of right, you know, if they want to play a sport? But we can go ahead and give a 12-year-old, 13-year-old the right to make this decision. This is not about vaccinations. This is about the rights of parents. I can tell you growing up, and you were saying that these kids are going, listen, you know, my parents won't let me get this vaccination. My parents won't let me get this type of immunity. Growing up, I remember, you know, with them, um, uh, living in Wisconsin and I wanted to go to that football game and it was snowing and I'm like mom I want to go and she's like you're not getting in a car or a bus because it's dangerous but I'm like but the other kids are doing it well you're not the other kids and you know what I said yeah, well you're not fair you don't listen to me you don't understand that's the same type of um, reason a child could come up and say the same thing going my mother doesn't understand she doesn't want me to have this vaccination we don't think really well when we're kids. We just know what we're angry about, and these are our emotions and our feelings. But common sense tends not to come in there, again, at the age of about 25. So why, when we're looking, you said about 74% of all kids are vaccinated. Instead of taking the rights away from parents for that 25%, why don't we educate and have education for the parents? And just because something is a bill doesn't mean it's a good bill. We've, I could go on and on and on about bills that aren't good. So let's work together and let's look at education. You know what, you're teaching the kids education here, but the parents may not have the education, as you said. We have orientation. Let's bring parents in. Let's talk to them about the questions they may have. So she brought up... Um basically the concern over, you know, uh, why, why would we have, you know, consent forms for all sorts, you know, for field trips, for, um, for any sort of 
extracurricular thing. Um, and then in this case, allow uh, kids to, you know, to uh, consent to, you know, what what is essentially, you know, it's, um, I mean, it, you know, vaccination is, it's it's a medical procedure to a certain extent, you know, obviously in a very, very small form. It's a, um, it's, it's a medication. I mean, most yes. medications you can't, you can't uh, get as a minor without mm -hmm. parents consent. I mean, uh, yeah, it's incredible how she how she ties that into field trips. And, uh, you know, you have to you have to sign a medical waiver when you go for for your kid, if if they're going to any number of different things, um, if they want to go to a summer camp or all these different things, but the the, the student um, can just go and get a vaccine through this bill if mm -hmm. without the parent at all so and that's uh, the the medical waivers that you would sign for your child um whether it's going to a field trip or going um uh to a summer camp those are just in anticipation of a potential issue but this is actually a known issue and they're saying well let's just go ahead and give the freedom to the child without without their parents uh consent but also without the parents knowledge which, which kind of leads to another issue, which is, you know, what, what happens when the kid has um, repercussions from this, or they have a, a, a reaction, some sort of an allergic reaction to one of the contents of any one of these uh, vaccines, there's a whole bunch on that list um, that um, a number of people have had allergic reactions to. Um, it's, it's, it's not my opinion. It's um, there's there's a whole government agency set to 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 deal with with these types of of issues, and and yet the parents um, don't have the authority to 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 even know whether there's going to be um, a, a shot that was given, so that they couldn't even know later if there's some problem with their child. They couldn't even have the information to know what let alone if their child had had received a vaccination so they could know what they could be reacting to so there's there's all kinds of of issues uh with this and and Lori davies i think uh, explained it really well um uh, in that committee hearing so that was um that was in the assembly right drew that was yeah judiciary um... Yeah, and there's also there's a longer uh, discussion that took place between uh, Kevin Kiley, uh, Assemblyman Kevin Kiley, and uh, Senator Weiner. It's it's closer to, to 20 minutes, um, so uh, we're not going to uh, go through the whole thing here. But um, on our YouTube, uh, the the full thing um, is um, either is up already or will be up within yeah. you know. Uh, a day or so um and it's 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 a great uh discussion between the two of them it gets it gets a little heated which i always enjoy watching political heated discussions yeah. um so uh yeah and um uh but that was that was definitely those two uh there were a number of others that that voiced uh similar opposition um but i think those two really uh displayed a great deal of um competence in basically laying out the main issues that they yeah. had yeah um, and i really appreciate 
that happening in committee. I, yeah, I do as well. Um, yeah, so, I mean, despite that, um, that opposition, you could see it was growing. Um, there were more, you know, the, like I said, you know, compared to the kind of mellowed um, opposition points made to it in the Senate, in, by the time it had reached the assembly, there were definitely some well-formed and very um, clear concerns that people had. And those legislators, along with everybody that testified against it, uh, they pointed them out. Um, and it ended up passing the committee on a vote of uh, six to four. So it was much closer, um, but it ended up being voted. And so, and it had no other committees to go through. So basically at that point after coming out of the uh judiciary committee in the assembly it really only had to come up for a floor vote and it would require a majority and then it would be passed to the governor who could sign it into law right so it was really it was really on the home stretch beginning at the beginning of the summer so yeah and that kind of takes me back to this other point about kind of why i got so worked up that it wasn't getting referred to multiple committees because it seemed extremely appropriate that um that uh this bill be heard by the education committee and health committees of both houses um and one of the other reasons why aside from the fact that it's appropriate material for them to be reviewing um it's appropriate that they get a chance to weigh in on this type of policy um in addition to that each time that a bill is referred to another committee that's another place for that bill to need approval before moving forward. So it's a chance for it's a chance for a bill to die. So when yeah. you have a committee that's um, heard a bill and it doesn't move on to another committee, it moves straight to the floor like this bill did in both houses. It's only got that one chance to be um, to be uh, weighed and um, to be given opposition to have discussion and for that bill to die. And so this bill, it may have been uh, initially referred to more committees, but it ultimately only went to two committees, which means it only had two committee chances to be voted down, um, only had two opportunities for a committee to weigh in on it, and only two chances for a committee to vote it down and for it to die there. So, um, so once in the uh, Senate, committee judiciary committee then on the senate floor then in the assembly judiciary committee and so now we're here in our in our timeline we're here on the assembly floor which is it's basically its last stop before it goes to the governor's desk yep yeah and once it uh hit the assembly floor things started getting very interesting um i was uh you know i spend um i mean much of what i do is just monitoring bills online monitoring chatter from from legislators looking for news updates anything that i can and then all of the uh the time that, that we spend at the capitol following these committee hearings following the floor sessions and um lo and behold i would you know early june um prominent assembly members uh Democrats started um, voicing opposition to it um, because, yeah. you know, most most uh, Republicans were opposed to it um, to begin with, with a lot of, you know, them voicing 
concerns that were voiced by like Davies and Kylie and the committee. But as the month of June progressed and they take a break in July, so all of July, there would be no action on it. Um, but as the month of June progressed, more and more legislators uh, started either saying, you know, I'm either not going to vote or I'm going to vote against it. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them put out public statements. Um, so we had we had on the um, on the 7th of June, we had a, a statement from uh, from Assemblyman uh, Patrick O'Donnell, who is the chair of the Education Committee. Um, and he uh, said, you know, I'm I support vaccinations. I'm vaccinated myself. And he said, but this is this is an issue of parental rights. He said, I don't want that violated. I wouldn't want that violated for myself as a parent. And I can't support this legislation. He said, I'm going to be voting no again. If it ever, if it comes up, I'm going to vote no. Right. And then um, about a week later, um, Assemblyman uh, Via Padua, uh, he also put out um, the, a very similar statement, you know, saying, I'm a dad. I would not want uh, to be stripped of the ability to, you know, to make this decision for my kids. I wouldn't want to be replaced. Right. 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 And so, um, and there were more and more, you know, as we were down at the Capitol constantly, uh, every floor session, there was, you know, the potential for it to come up for a vote. Um, And more and more, there was, you know, uh, more uh, legislators coming out saying, I'm not sure I'm going to support this, or I'm just not going to vote, or I'm going to vote no. Right. And so the chances of it passing seemed to continue to drop, and yet it hadn't been brought up for a vote. Um, something of note, too, uh, that uh, that was ongoing the entire time was um, Senator Weiner, the author, basically labeling um, opposition to his bill as just, you know, anti-vaccine misinformation. That was what what he labeled it as. You know, this is just, you know, anti-vax people just don't want uh, teens to be able to make the choice to get vaccinated. And so they're just opposing it because they, you know, they hate the COVID vaccine or something specific, right? And so he made many statements like that online. Um, and uh, the response, actually, from from many legislators and from many people opposing it is saying, I don't think you're hearing us. That's right. not the, that's not the issue. That's not the con- that's not the main concern here at all. Right. And in um, fact, I remember uh, the uh, I appreciated O'Donnell's statement, um, which incidentally was came out the day after we we hand delivered letters explaining yeah. why um why uh a, a a number of groups of people were not supporting sb866 why did parents oppose sb866 why do medical professionals oppose uh sb866 why do er doctors su- oppose sb866 and and we delivered that letter to i think it was the entire assembly um yeah. on the 6th uh of of was it the 6th of of June? 
Yeah, it was the 6th of June. It it was a Monday. And then that Tuesday, he came out with that statement. Then a week following, more and more statements came out. Yeah, And those statements were so, I appreciated them so much, especially O'Donnell's statement that um, particularly pointed out um, that this was a slippery slope um, Mm -hmm. uh, against parental, parental rights. Yeah, he almost used our language verbatim in his yeah. statement, which was really, really cool to see. Um, yeah, and um, so as this grew, basically, um, it was this two-week span, right? And the break was fast approaching, uh, the July break. Um, so they had until June 31st before they would take a month off and nothing could happen. Um, and on the 16th, um, the uh, the bill was actually amended. So um, in an attempt to basically uh, quell the opposition to say, all right, people calm down, we'll moderate it a little bit. They raised the age of consent for vaccines from 12 to 15. So they said, all right, fine. Anybody 15 and up can do it without parental consent. And of course, the opposition continued because the age isn't... uh, isn't the issue, right? Any, I mean, minors are under their parents' responsibility and protection. So whether right. it's 12 or 15, the issue still stands. Right. Obviously, there are differences between a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old in terms of their development. And yet the ultimate responsibility, until you're 18, until you're an adult, your your parents are responsible for you right. legally, you know? Yeah. And so... The opposition remained and yeah. it, it didn't go away. And this is a tactic that we've seen um, many, many, many times um, where the idea is to present a bill that seems really extreme and then back off of it and and get a piece of it. Um, and and I I've seen it so many times and I've seen, you know, it, that when you when you take 10 steps forward and and nine steps back and you still get that one step and if you do that 10 times you've still got your 10 steps and and that's how a lot of of bad policy gets implemented in california is uh, 10 steps forward nine steps back and that process repeated over and over and over again creating um worse and worse bad policy in california and that's i think that was um i think he was with that amendment in this particular bill he was trying to get you know 10 steps forward and maybe maybe two or three steps back but still i mean that's a major uh encroachment onto parental rights and as you said drew it's still it doesn't change the principle that parents are still the appropriate authority um, for those children exactly yeah yeah and um and you know the uh the support for it, um, the rationalization for it was still the same. It was still on a very specific scale. Like, you know, these teens, well, they're, they said, well, you know, my, my parents won't let me get vaccinated and I, I want to, you know, especially in light of, light of COVID, you know, and, um, but the opposition, the, the points didn't, didn't change at all. I mean, it's, you know, the principle remained. And so the opposition remained. And in light of that, um, it wasn't brought up for a vote in time for the July break. Um, so after that amendment, 
there was still floor sessions. We were still monitoring every time, you know, all right, is, is there any, you know, chatter of it possibly being brought up? Is there any changes? Um, and uh, June 31st came and went and uh, they ended up going on break. And so there was a, uh, there was a month of, uh, of silence on it. Um, in the meantime, we spent, uh, you know, we spent time communicating with other groups, with legislators, um, and really, you know, and with our own supporters, um, continuing the uh, the development of and the maintenance of opposition points, right? Yeah. So, so the opposition points remained, and um, uh, in the meantime, they were really only strengthened during that break. Um, and opposition, I coming into August. Um, the home stretch of the legislative session, opposition had grown for sure. Yeah. Um, and so uh, coming into August, that was one of the uh, the most hectic months of the year, I would say, in my in my own experience. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And and it and it just uh, it just seemed like it just kept going on on and on day after day, um, but ultimately um as we already know the end of the story um it it never ended up coming up for a vote a vote um we kept hearing uh, it could be today it could be tomorrow um and we were there day after day after day and still um we didn't have we didn't have uh it coming up for a vote again yeah yeah and um in in those final weeks coming up to um to the end of the the legislative session you know august 31st is the last day the legislature can pass um legislation to the governor and then he has a month to sign or veto um and so in that in that last month um there was there was a few key days near the end um that uh i remember distinct distinctly just because of the odd dynamic happening on the assembly floor where you had you know it's supposed to be the 80 assembly members you know talking about legislation and voting but in those last few days the se senator uh wiener the author um was there on the floor going yeah. from legislator to legislator um you know kind of talking quietly and he really had no other business there other than to try and get this bill through there was no other legislation held up um on his end um and you could you could see him discussing it with you know uh assembly members like like o'donnell who had come out and um opposed it um and uh when that day august 31st when it came and went and it didn't it uh didn't come up for a vote it was actually um on the last day it was ordered to the inactive file which basically means it it's it it's they retired it you know yeah um, yeah they'd given up on that um and uh in the days following that uh Wiener put out statements saying you know I'm disappointed you know the the anti-vaccine misinformation crew you know beat us out this time but you know we'll we'll try again um and he said but you know in the end the vote was close <laughs> yeah um, and uh which was odd seeing that uh 
I'm guessing he was, you know, uh, referring to the vote count if they had yeah. taken a vote. And uh, Assemblymember O'Donnell replied online with, "No, it wasn't." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it was. It was. It was a very uh, sweet defeat. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, um, it was. It was great to see. Um, to see people responding with, "Don't misrepresent this." You know that wasn't the issue. Yeah. And you know it. And it was, uh, but it was, it was a, it was a very drawn out battle with this bill. Right. And every, I think every legislator office visit, every letter delivered to a legislator's office, every phone call to a legislator's office, every visit mm -hmm. made to a district office, um, every person that sat in the gallery with us uh, day after day, um, I think every every single one of those um and every person that called in to testify in a committee hearing every single one of those mattered um because they were all extra pressure um in the middle of them trying to decide what to do in a in a busy legislative year this was a heated heated debate and it was full of um major um <laughs> major issues that were going on in California but this particular bill was definitely brought to people's mind uh, continually throughout the year. And that worked in our favor because it helped people be uh, convinced that there was not uh, uh, solid public support for this. There was, there was definitely opposition to it. Yeah. And it was, it was really encouraging um, um, for me, just, just seeing, you know, the, uh, the support and the um the consistency of of you know like the people that support fpm uh, you know the partners that we have here and you know and people that uh we've gotten to know in the legislature you know both um legislators themselves and staff members and everybody in between it's uh it's really encouraging to see that um common sense and you know and and truth and what and you know um ultimately values that cause uh families and society to flourish they they do win out you know it's right. it's not all doom and gloom like it's often portrayed as you know right um yeah there and, is hope uh, yeah yeah and i think this is a really great example of it and uh it was a great um experience this session for me this was one of the the biggest battles that that i've been involved in in my you know in my time at fpm um if not it probably was the biggest um and it was it was really great to to see it all play out it was really really educating and encouraging yeah so Thank you to everybody that participated in this victory. Um, I really appreciate all your work. And um, thanks, Drew, for um, participating in some of those late nights down at the Capitol. Um, yeah. Uh, the, there were definitely some some long days uh, invested in, in this battle um, and into this victory. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful to everybody that uh, engaged on this bill. It yeah. was, uh, it was, it's really, 
it's a real big one. And so um, I'm glad to be on the other side of that. Um, and uh, we know that that those those hours counted for something. And uh, mm -hmm. we can uh, look back on this and know God was was there every step of the way, um, guiding us and leading us um, to the victory that we have now. And um, he can do it again. So we need to remember this uh, when when we're in the next battle. Uh, remember that um, God is faithful and he'll bring us through uh, even to the end. Amen. Yeah. And th this won't be the last. I mean, um, there's been, you know, I don't think uh, these these uh, these bills will. Uh, I don't think they've died permanently. No, um, I think for this session, I, I think there's going to be more attempts next time around. And um, I mean, we'll be ready for them. You know? Yeah. And I, I also, you know, want to kind of uh, echo what, what you said, the the everybody that, that went and visited and talked to legislators. I mean, the amount of people um, contacting us saying, you know, thanks for thank you for for this info. I just emailed my legislator. I just sent a letter. Me and my family just went and visited, you know, all of these things. That's it, it means so much more coming from from all of you than just from us. Yeah, that's you know? right. Yep. And like you said, it's it's not the end. Um, uh, ultimately, uh, we did not change uh, Senator Weiner's mind on this bill, um, nor did we change many of the other legislators. But um, I think we did change the minds of some, and um, we just need to keep pressing on. Yep. So thanks so much, Drew. Thank you for... Uh, uh, all your work on this bill and also um, putting together this uh, this timeline for us to sort of talk through. Uh, do you have any last thoughts on this? Um, I guess, uh, I mean, I think for everybody out there, the most important thing is to, uh, to not lose hope, to remember um, our foundation, and then also just to uh, be vigilant for the future. You know, yeah. we're working hard to make everybody aware of uh, bills like this, and uh, there's going to be more in the future. Um, but I think with the with the support of everybody out there, there's you know there's there's no limit to the minds that can be changed. That's right. That's right. You know. Yep. So, yeah. All right. Well, until next time. Thanks so much, Drew, and. Um... We'll talk again soon. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Frontline with FPM. For more information about the topics we discuss here, check out Family Protection Ministries at fpmca.org and subscribe to our channel.